I mean, I had people offer me cigarettes today, and I'm just like, nope, get away from me. Yeah. Don't talk. I was like, I don't want to talk to you. And Darren was like, if you know how to hit my, my vape, you can. I was like, nope, don't talk to me. I was like, don't offer that shit to me. I was like, that's going to create problems. Not doing that. No, I'm like fucking, I'm on the straight and narrow when it comes to cigarettes. Yeah. Fuck that. It's tough, man. Like, working around people that smoke cigarettes, like, everyone in my job. The thing is, though, is that I'm going to get, it's going to be wet. If I slip up on that, it's going to be worse. It's going to be really bad for everybody involved. Yeah. My problem, too, though, is that I got myself addicted to the jewel. So, like, if my jewel's dead, I fiend for a little bit. Yeah. It's annoying. I just, I, d- I literally just don't want to have to have you guys have to deal with me in the hospital with fucking bacterial pneumonia. No. Because of smoke. Like, that shit is not happening. I'm done with that. I think I need to boost your mic still. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I got the fucking little, little shit one. But then there's that AKG that I got for $8. <laughs> on the is ground. that the pool one? Or is that the pool uh, one? I think this is the pool one, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to probably get a cloud lifter for this bitch. What's a cloud lifter? A cloud lift. A cloud. Cool band name. Cloud lifter. Mm. No, a cloud lifter. Basically, it's. Is it twenty dB of of gain? It's like a boost, basically, right? No, it's not a boost. So essentially, what it does is it's it, impedance. I think it's not impedance. So what it does is it takes. So like regardless of whether you're using a f- um. A condenser or a dynamic mic you supply the cloud lifter with phantom power so like so preamp cable cloud lifter cable mic Mm -hmm. and what i do is i supply the cloud lifter with phantom power and it turns that 48 volts of uh phantom power into 20 db of headroom okay so and then it does the same thing with like condensers but it it doesn't give you like more headroom or sensitivity. It just gives you a lower noise floor. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, I still I don't know why I can't hear you. Still, is it is it on your? Hold on. Go check. Yeah, go check the. I the think because like I you're you're juiced up on the pre. Yeah, I'm juiced up on the pre, but I can't hear you. Oh, like how our mix is set in our headphones. That would make sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, I probably don't have any bottom snare right. in my <laughs> in my crazy. monitors. <laughs> but that's the most important sound. Bro. Troubleshooting with Mr. Wait. Did you turn you down a little bit on the preamp? Huh? Wait, let me hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, much better. Yeah, I don't I don't think I normally run with uh, any bottom snare. In my and uh, on this and on this episode of Mr. White Pod, the Mr. Now White Pod. On this um, episode, while you're over there, can you turn him up in my? <laughs> no. Okay. After that, can you please save this as the podcasting preset? <laughs> See, now we're learning that uh, the bottom snare mic is your most Im- important mic in the entire session. <coughs> but oh, can I also get my mic? I need bottom snare in in my headphones. Yeah, I'm good on Mac, so. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, dude. Not you. 
not you. Oh yeah, so at uh, at T-Mobile yesterday when I was trying to get, uh, I guess it was phone three. There, you know that Mad Lib sample that's like, you give me a dollar. The one that he always uses of like that lady from, there's this one lady that came in with her uh, daughter, I guess. And she talked exactly like that. <laughs> and I was like trying not to laugh. And then her mom started calling her a hoe. Because she was talking about how she started putting kids out at 30. And I was like, she was like, this lady was talking about how she got married. Then she started having kids. I'm like, yeah, that's why you a hoe. But her, her voice sounded like she had gotten hit in the throat by, like, a karate kick. Like, you could barely understand her. I'm like, God. I should, do, do I need to give you any incentive to switch to Verizon now? No. Yeah. Yeah, this we need to te- we need to title this podcast "Match Max Bitches About T-Mobile." Oh, you won't be doing it for the whole time, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that place. Where do you go? Which one? The victory one, the worst. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the upscale one. Is it, am I, is the t- is the victory one by the by the bi- old Bilo or Piggly Wiggly? Is that the upscale one? Probably not. <laughs> God, if that's the upscale one, I just want the Earth to get hit by a meteor. I don't ever think I talked about it on the podcast, but I uh, I saw a guy get stabbed in that parking lot. No, you got you got that's the Kroger parking lot that you were talking about. Is that not where the Bilo is? No, you where's the Bilo? The Bilo's over by um the Tr- Savannah Children's Theater, but I think it's a Piggly. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm over sh- more by like the Starbucks. Yeah, I'm all the Piggly Wigglies became Bylos, yeah. And then the Bylos went out of business and, and became nothing. <laughs> but I think that that place is a Piggly Wiggly now. I think, or is Piggly Wiggly? No, Piggly Wiggly became a Bylo. We're talking about the one with the Starbucks in it. No, the I'm triangular pyramid Starbucks. That's where the Piggly Wiggly was. Yeah, but that's the Starbucks is in the shopping center across from where the CVS used to be. Yeah. Okay. No, CVS is still there. That's the Walgreens. No, the they're Walgre- both right the there. Wa- the Walgreens is across the street in the shopping center where the Chick Fil A is. Yeah, and then the CVS is like diagonally from the Starbucks. I think what we can agree on that Savannah is getting too gentrified and they need to make it hood again. Where did I see I mean, that guy get stabbed? <laughs> it's pretty hood around here. <laughs> I mean, this th- we're talking about. I like it. Yeah, I mean, th- we're talking about the. The shop. I mean, Kroger's the fucking shopping center. Where at two a.m. once I ate a bag of salad with an armadillo, like, because an armadillo just walked up and was like looking at me, and it didn't run away. And I was like, I guess you want salad, so I opened up my salad and I just spit a bag of split a bag of salad with an armadillo (laughs) at two thirty in the morning. Be careful; those things can give you leprosy. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I was just gonna say that, but I actually watched the Andy Zimmer, the guy. He's that fat dude that kind of looks like a small butter bean. That was on Travel Channel talk about eating armadillo, and I guess you have to boil them down for like twelve hours. That sounds about right. You boil them down, and then like you strain it, and you get rid of all the all the shit that you boiled with. <laughs> you boil out that leprosy. Yeah, but then you throw that away, and then you boil it again with stuff to make it not taste like shit. Yeah. If you gotta That's eat armadillo, if you gotta eat yeah. armadillo, like I, I like, there's gotta be like some sort of like economic theory where it's no longer feasible to eat armadillo just based off time yeah. <laughs> and like nutrition <laughs> like there, there's some sort of exchange there that just doesn't make sense at that point it's like I'm, I'm so poor i gotta eat armadillo <laughs> yeah but you gotta spend 24 hours cooking it go get a job 
And you can eat wings like the rest of us, savage. Okay, I think that that's we're gonna start the podcast with that. We can start with that. Like I like I'm gonna definitely such a good line. I'm gonna include all that troubleshooting as its own podcast. Just four minutes of watching us like like fuck around with wires side podcast. Yeah, and then we actually talk. The only technical thing that's worth anything is us talking about cloud lifters. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know audio guys. It was cool. We got to demo one of those in um in my ADR class. Uh, right. the a kid I really like in there. He brought his in one day, and we got to fuck around with it. And it was, it made the RE twenty fucking usable, which was really cool. Dude, the RE twenty. The thing about large diaphragm dynamics is they're all notoriously super low gain. Yep. Like SM like SM sevens, you basically have to have a cloud lifter or a super high high gain pre to make them work. Yeah. Because you're gonna be diamond that fucking pre. Yeah. And then it's gonna be like it just barely hitting yellow. Yeah. I um I I dimed the RE twenty one time and did a cut of Not Your Daddy's Debt with it. And I thought I was for sure clipping it and I I didn't. Yeah, it was crazy, and I was I was backed off it a good bit. I wasn't like right up on it, but goddamn, that's a stubborn fucking microphone. I I love the way RA twenty sound when you when you have a good pre. Like when yeah. I was recording in school, like just doing drum stuff, I really liked RA twenties on top and bottom snares. I really like them on top snare though because they just get they just ha- get a lot of spank. Like they really yeah. they're really attacky. They have a lot of good transient response. Yeah, I definitely want to get one at some point. Yeah. I definitely want to try it out on that thing. I think it would sound great on there. On which thing? Like uh, Mike in the cab. Oh, yeah, The bass yeah, yeah. cab. I bet it would sound fucking awesome. I mean, we could always look into just trying to get, a che- like, a used one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those things are like fucking hand grenades. <laughs> they just. I mean, most, microfo- most microphones, <laughs> dynamic mics are, like, you know, like hammers. Like, they're really. That one especially, though. That's like one of those fucking German stick grenades. Like, it's just fucking massive. Yeah, or it's like one. Uh, it's like something you get from Sunset Novelties. Yeah, <laughs> for when your bitch is real loose. <laughs> <laughs> I need that 16-inch black dildo. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm turning. It's gonna be on your gravestone. <laughs> we're still. We're gonna cremate you, but it's gonna be on your gravestone. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna turn my girl into a mic locker. Ooh, it's gonna smell bad in there. Yeah, and dude, you just put the condom on the mic. It's okay. That's true. <laughs> I'm never getting girlfriend when uh, like ever. I'm never getting girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so just so everyone, all the audience knows, I just had a I had a gig where um I was covered in gnats to the point where I started bleeding from gnat bites. So this is this is why I'm I'm in this headspace. Also because we I quit smoking. We had we had Max prevent a little bit. Oh my god, mm. Max, you're back from the dead. I am. I'm back from the dead with uh, Memorial time. Hospital did their best, but they still couldn't kill you. <laughs> you came out. Memorial Hospital <laughs> has, I think this is the third time, third or fourth time in my life where they've put me back into DKA. That's the craziest part to me is like, I was talking to the nurse that day I came to see you, and she was like, we think he's in DKA, and I like looked at you, I was like, He's in DKA. What else? I was like, what else is he? Like, what's the other possibility here? Like, so fucking mumps or something? <laughs> I don't, f- like, <laughs> he might have polio. We're going to check off polio. We know he's a diabetic, <laughs> but we're going to check off polio. The, the fucking lady, when I, the, it was the patient services coordinator, I think that was her name. 
and she fucking comes down there and she's talking about how she understands diabetes and i'm like what's the difference between short and long acting insulin she's looking at me like i'm speaking japanese <laughs> which you might have been no <laughs> no my blood sugar was was down are you sure she was even there yeah, no, <laughs> no. I actually brought my I brought my doctor in, and I was like, we all gotta have a conversation about this. And then I made her. I was like, which was the most uncomfortable chair? And then I was like, you sit there, doctor, who's saved my life twice now because of your thing. He gets the good seat. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at me, and I was like, no, nah, I'm dead serious. Sit there. <laughs> and then and then she has the audacity to be like, well, yeah, no, I have a daughter that has diabetes and. Or, 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 might or, have gra- diabetes. or granddaughter that might have diabetes and she's at the children's hospital. How the fuck do you have might have diabetes? Your blood sugar is either above 150 or it's not. Your pancreas is either working or it's not. Yeah. This is what my, my shitty ass doctor, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but the old guy uh, who's out on Tibet with the head that looks like a bean, mm-hmm. who gave me the test. To basically be like, oh, yeah, your A1C is like 7, which is just for anybody that doesn't know. If you don't have diabetes, your A1C is going to be around there. And he was like, yeah, we just couldn't tell, so we had to give you a $100 test without telling me that they charged me for it. And I'm like... They basically charged you to test to see if you had diabetes. Because my A1C was too good when I've had diabetes since I was 10. Yeah. I'm like, you have medical records. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what do you... Uh, that should probably be like when you have something serious like that. Is that why is that like not at the top? Also, so I told shit. you I have diabetes. Yeah, do you need yeah. to test me? For I literally, <laughs> I was like, dude, I, I the literally was like, I don't believe. You. <laughs> why are you lying about let your me diabetes? S- let me I sniff literally, your blood. I, I, he was like, why are you coming in here? Because I need to find a doctor so I can have them write me prescriptions for insulin. This is also the guy that wrote me like. For a three month oh, yeah, supply, yeah, yeah, yeah. wrote me a that. month, like a month worth of insulin. Everybody's trying to kill you. I just I'm trying I'm trying to play drums I'm trying to do all this dirty work so uh, like you and you and Jacob and Ray and all my friends that I really love and care about we can all go and tour the world together and be badasses <laughs> and like the world is trying to kill me yeah maybe we should just buy some pigs and like start a pig farm and make our own insulin yeah yeah because if that doesn't work we can give the pigs Ebola <laughs> and then we can <laughs> learn how to to <laughs> make insulin yeah, yeah so this is i think uh, i think this is a good idea was it ray that we were talking about the whole um horseshoe crab blood farming or is that you that was me yeah, yeah we're, so <laughs> a, we're a couple months that, ago we were that <laughs> yeah we were looking at the most expensive liquids on the face of the earth and insulin surprisingly enough is number four but we were actually thinking and i don't remember i think it was my like i was the one where i was like really gung-ho about doing this going to tybee and just stealing horseshoe crabs and then bleeding them out in like a bucket and then selling the blood like i I think that's a great idea because like for a gallon of horseshoe crab blood it's like like 80 grand yeah but i think we learned it's like a much more like labor intensive and they don't have oh what we can't use our sandcastle buckets (laughs) to get horseshoe crab blood we need a vessel I mean, we'll, we'll just hang on real quick. Like, what's your mechanism for removing the blood from the horseshoe crab into the sandcastle bucket? You got a fucking hooker from the state streets to suck it out. Like, wait, <laughs> but no, no. How are you? How are you opening the wound? <laughs> Want to see how how much she's thought about she, this? Her mouth and she's sucking she it has out. Wait, she has to bite the horseshoe crab, suck out the blood, and then spit it into a bucket. Yeah, we're gonna lose all the money paying the hookers. 
before we get I'm not wait what, what do they use blood? this blood for because whoever you're giving it to is getting gonorrhea <laughs> <laughs> we can't have our horseshoe crab blood infected yeah we have to have it pure yeah <laughs> We're fucking doomed. We need Bernie Sanders as the president. Or, or not even him. We need just someone that's like straightforward. That's the stupidest fucking job in the world. President. Anybody that wants that job shouldn't get that job. Can you imagine like, yeah, I'll just subject myself to the most like scrutiny, like scrutiny intensive sort of process right. ever. Like they just all like, like as soon as you announce your presidency, <laughs> all anybody's interested in doing is digging up your past. Right. <laughs> Like what kind of psychopath wants to go through that? Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah and th- and then when I run for president, they figure out that I I yelled at that um the patient services coordinator lady. Yeah, no, this podcast alone is like enough. Oh, I'm never you. gonna be <laughs> fucking pre- fuck now. Those my sh- my chances are shot. I I would just love to be able to like be president and just sit in like. Like have two hookers under the in, under the desk at the <laughs> Oval Office. <laughs> like I never wear pants. You're just getting sucked off all the time. <laughs> yeah, all you, the time. you don't have to be Past president nothing. to do that. <laughs> like they're hookers. You could just you could just pay two to do that right <laughs> now. That, but that's the thing though, is that I'd have a fancy jacket and a nice chair. But you don't need to be president to do that. What <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we're gonna move the All of these things are just <laughs> like they just require money. Right. <laughs> they don't require being president. Well I'm not well, that's the thing though. If I You're just interested in the statesmanship. <laughs> yeah. <I see> where <laughs> I'm interested in the statesmanship <laughs> and the blowjobs. Again, like <laughs> the I mean, statesmanship about blowjobs. We're, we're also you're also talking to the guy that my uh, my grand idea for us to play Al Rocco was to get two Grammys first. Two Grammys before we play Al Rocco. Before we play Al Rocco, I'm down. Da- honestly, like guys, real quick, I'm down to make that pact. Like we'll won't play El Rocco ever again unless we get two Grammys. But then we ha- then we fucking have to. I want to make a joke about the thing that we were looking at last night where I was I, I started cursing on Messenger. I was thinking about it. We can you know what? We can talk about it if you want. We have to Here's the thing though is like specifics can't be brought up. So I'll intru- I'll introduce it if you want to talk about it. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to God, I'm going to I don't know what y- you are talking about. In a in a recent yeah, um we've decided to kill Jacob and oh, fair. That's how we're going to get famous. <laughs> um I mean, it's got to happen somewhere. I I keep trying with Max. I really don't. Like, I, I keep really just <laughs> trying to, like, I really like don't want paying off that nurse. Just, like, just say he's it not It could be an DKA. accident, guys. You don't have to. Like, I really don't want Jacob to die, though, because he's the only level-headed one around here. That's true. Like, I God, if you and me were just exclusively in charge <laughs> of the ship, good God. We never get anything done. We just talk about four-strokes guy and <laughs> shit. <laughs> four-strokes guy, I mean, and then you would have to worry about me getting mad and running the ship into somebody. Yeah, yeah. And which is it would be a daily occurrence now that I'm not smoking. Yeah. Just like, fuck it. It's like iceberg. I'm go, gonna we're use, going through it. I'm going to use my artistry to kill people. <laughs> so, um, in a recent bit of Savannah-based drama, which is to say mildly interesting just because we know the people sex so work is work sex work is work <laughs> so somebody made a post and they were taking a dig at this festival that like so here's how here's how it works there's a there's a festival in savannah called stopover uh and as a sort of protest for being snubbed uh, on the process of getting to play stopover 
some locals got together and they put this counter festival in place called Undergo. And so that like for the past couple years there I think it's been like two or three years maybe, like while stopover happens, the the Undergo Fest also happens and it gave locals a chance to like go and also play a festival that may have not gotten on stopover. Long story short, uh, Savannah Local made a dig at Undergo, basically saying, like, um, oh, what, no Undergo Festival this year uh, in protest of your band not being good enough to make it on Stopover. And it blew the fuck up with people that we know and we're acquainted with and shit. And it was, I got to admit, mildly entertaining to read mm. some of the comments. Let me just say that I don't support either of these groups. Yeah, I'm not on e- anybody's I side d- in absolutely this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, I was curious as to, like, what your position was, because I was... I don't support yeah. any of this We didn't really get all. into it. I don't support either group. I think all of it's fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah? All of it. All right, let's hear it. I mean, okay, so I think that... A lot of the issue that I have with uh, the scene, which is in air quotes, is it's a giant fucking glory hole. Okay. <laughs> Should I? Do I need to say, like tell me? Yeah, me you gotta hint. you gotta yeah. elaborate. Yeah. You can't okay. just like. So there's like a lot. I think it's squirrel testicles. <laughs> I just we don't we're not really musically I think shooting for any level of real quality here. It's a lot of like you have wait us. No, no, no. Oh, I'm, no, s- I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, we're not in this group. Oh, uh, okay. We, I think that when we don't, when we're not at our day jobs, we're doing what we got to do to get better. Yeah. And I think that it really shows. Yeah. I think the the thing that we don't do is we don't suck off other bands, and that's why we I don't. I think circle jerk is a better term than a glory hole, but continue. <laughs> yeah, th- see, this is why I love this guy, Jacob, and he's m- like, like, he's he's the level-headed one. Yeah, but <laughs> w- neither <laughs> neither of those festivals really support quality music, and not not saying that it's not quality music, but all of that shit's the same. I, I've I've watched some videos of the groups that, that are doing stopover. It's all the same hipster bullshit. You got a guy that sings. You know, I've seen some videos, and it's the same shitty, like, singing really out of key, super flat. The same jangly guitars. You know, a guy has, like, a nice Fender guitar plugged into one st- one or two stop jazz boxes. Master. And, a j- and there's always a jazz master. There's we were talking about this earlier. There's always a jazz master. And, like... It's the same, it's, you know, there's so much homogeny in music nowadays. You have to be the same to, to be considered good. You have to or be relevant. The, or relevant. you got to do the exact same shit. That's why. Is this, is this applying to, like, the local level? This is applying to all of it. Oh, okay. So we're, 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 nat- we're beyond the scope of Stopover and Savannah. L- I mean, okay, look at, um, let's look at, at popular music right now and what's okay. on the radio. So you have shit like, you know. Corey Lane, which is some bullshit. It's all, all that stuff is all the same. It's just production-based music where you have a little figurehead, and they're got Tory Lane's not going to be remembered in two or three years. You know, you have Nicki Minaj. She's already out. She was doing the exact same shit from the start of her career until she when. Well, she's been around a while. She's been around like ten years, and she, she lasted. retired. <laughs> she didn't retire. She I retire n- from art. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, she. No, I mean, I think what happened is she hired. She married a guy that is like a sex offender. Who'd That's she marry? Some guy that raped like a thirteen-year-old. Whoa, what? <laughs> this is quite I an accusation. All right, Max is going to the phone. 
Let's I mean, pray truth this one works. Doesn't matter anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Yeah, I'm not even going to. No, but. come on, come on. You gotta like at least. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're making. Okay, we're she. M- yeah, really. Horrendous. If, if this is common knowledge, I, I, I'm sorry to make you look it up, but I'm just not aware. We went from we went from stopover to Tory Lane to Nicki Minaj to sex offender. <laughs> All in like four sentences. Real quick. <laughs> Nicki Minaj's. Ex- uh, husband arrested for failing to register as a sex offender. Kenneth Petty, 41, moved to the state to the state in July 2019. It was supposed to register as a sex offender due to his conviction for first degree attempted rape in New York in April 1995. Oh, see, it was attempted. He's he's off. In my book, he's off. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. I'd like to announce my candidacy for president. And the thing is, is like, if you really think her music's fantastic. Like why, why, why is that? But I don't. More I think the the difference in a lot of music is that there's music for fun, and then there's music that um, facilitates something more than fun, and that can be a series of anything. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't get into like I'm I, I'm not the kind of dude that gets into silly music. I like serious. I'm very serious. You like about Frank Zappa's. Yeah, yeah. Good so call. there is an element of that, but like it's very silly, silly lyrics for sure. Like, oh yeah, he's there's so gay. There's nothing wrong with fun music either, and I feel like I'm not saying the music we play isn't fun, but it's not just fun. Like, it's, it's not. True. It's more challenging than that. Yeah, um, and a lot of people don't like. A lot of people just want to have fun, and you can't. You can't judge while you can't for that knock them for that. Like, you've got to find a way to slip in the challenging stuff. Like. The problem is now that it's like junk food. Music is like junk food or reality. T- it's all like, okay, how can we get people to react in the easiest way possible? And like Mac DeMarco, that I am the cowboy song is junk food. He has s- some other stuff that's tolerable. But yeah, he li- I, I like some of his stuff. Yeah. yeah, but we just you just use the world. He has some other things that are tolerable. Well, and that's that's my opinion again. Like. So back to the whole like undergo versus stopover fest, like it's all like everyone gets emotional and butthurt about things because they take it so personally, like they take their opinions personally Mm. and like you can't take, you've got to realize that your opinion is just that, like it's not fact or like it's just the law opinion. it's just an opinion yeah. and people are always going to rise to the top and some people are always going to be at the bottom that's mm-hmm. fucking life yep. like and being butthurt about it doesn't do anything and it makes it worse um when as an extension of that would you say that like your opinions don't necessarily like make you who you are that's um, one thing i've tried to like start removing myself yeah. from is like my opinion on like the like this thing we're talking about like the undergo versus right. like stop it's not who i am right like i just and yeah people get really close to ideologies too. yeah that's what i was asking um, and they like make themselves one with it like you're saying um like an offense to like so basically this person's comments about the undergo like I feel like some people took it as an attack, right? And it's interesting because it's not even really the people that should have taken it as an attack, like right. that. I think the people that were smart really just kind of removed themselves from it. They're right. like, mm, 
know what this is. Yeah, don't want to deal with Facebook it. Facebook, and yeah. it's not a public forum of any kind. Like no, and it's, it's not, not like it's like peer-reviewed journalism. It's right. fucking. It's an opi- like it's someone's soapbox, and yeah. you're hopping on the soapbox with them, and trying the to push them and off, and it's like, yeah, what the fuck are you and doing? And the thing Just about a lot it. of these people is, if you put a ke- if you took away the keyboard and the screen, I wonder how many of them would actually talk about this in person, face to face. Well, and that's that's something I've been like really thinking about as of late, because like one of the issues I've had with like a lot of people around town is people that I've talked to, people that I know. Like, when conflict arises, they don't talk to me, but they know who I am. Like, they could message me. They could they could say yeah. something when I see them in person. Instead, they say nothing, but I hear about their complaints. Or they, like, in a couple of cases, they've gone to Jacob to, like, air their complaint instead of just talking to me. And right. it's yeah. like, if you just talk to me, like, I'm, like, I'm not going to hurt you like yeah i mean jacob doesn't have to be the conduit of opinions for you no like and like it's not jacob's job to like hey so this person's saying that like i don't want you to have to do that and like the uh, the overarching thing is these people can talk to me but they choose not to and that really bothers me with social media because there's like this removal from like having to engage in somewhat uncomfortable situations like us whenever something comes up even if it's super uncomfortable and not the easiest thing we talk about it yeah right. we, ha- we, we had a pl- well we people have a plan don't people don't do like this. conflict but the yeah. internet allows them to like be confrontational without any recourse like flirt with like it yeah yeah, yeah. and but that's I mean the thing is like if i s- like the person like the people that are involved right now that we're talking about like if i s- if i don't feel like i need to i'm not going to chastise anybody for their actions like right. i don't like i removed myself from that i don't care about it Same, yeah. but like if i like i'm not saying anything on this that i wouldn't just say to that person directly yeah. right and the like, grand scheme of things we're talking about a festival two festivals that, that nobody goes to ne- nobody really <laughs> attends anyway and I it's in fucking savannah a, i think that's a good point <laughs> I think that's yeah. A, yeah it's very I've asked it's, a valid it's point. the thing that i would say to this person and per- which i'm not gonna bring it up because i don't think it's even that big a part of their day much less mine but if i were to like like if we were t- ended up talking about it i would just be like like what was your strategy like what was uh, like Right. What did you think was actually going to get accomplished? Yeah, it? I don't like. I just didn't see any sort of like. It, it, to me, it just it stuck out as like a like I'm just going to stir the pot. Yeah, which is fine. We press a button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And to that end, if that was their their intention, they succeeded yeah, marvelously. Because yeah. <laughs> good god damn, that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of stupid comments. I wish I could s- just say shit and did get you, do you forty feel like comments. When you, do you do you feel like your intelligence kind of b- got brought down a little bit after reading some of it? Um. Not really, because, like, all all it was was, like, like, I just pictured it as these people talking to each other in a room, and it was, like, you know, in South Park, when they all get really worked up, they're just, like, rabble, 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 and that's what it becomes, is, like, that's all I got from it was, like, some people were, like, fuck you, undergoes the shit, Uh, it wasn't a protest to stop over, there were other people in another camp that were, like, like, it was a protest to stop over. Like nobody was saying anything different. I like, think if it's an a pro- it issue was brought up, and people were just like, "Well, I'm on this side," and the other people were like, "Well, I'm on this side," and it's like, 
All right. Well, I mean, I think if you're trying to protest stop ever, shouldn't you guys all get together and have like protest. signs and yelled <laughs> and yelled at the ships of the sea? Well, and what are you fucking protesting? You didn't get to play a show. Where everybody gets rejected for Where? shows all the time. Like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and it's but it it shouldn't be like <coughs> it shouldn't be that big a part of your year. Because here's the thing, um, the only band that has played a stopover in recent memory. That I, I th- Julian Baker might have played the 2017 one, and I really like her. The only other band that's played that I recognize and I actively listen to is Liz Cooper and the Stampede, and they're fucking cool. But everybody else, I'm not saying they're bad or good. I just haven't heard of them. Yeah. Right. The other thing I haven't heard of is one of these bands attending one of the locals' performances at Stopover and then like, hey, you guys should come on the fucking road with us and make money. Right. Like, that's never happened. No. So yeah. what are you fucking beat up about? Yeah, I mean, and the whole thing with a lot of bands, and we, I think we're the, Mr. Waits, the one group that actually tries not to do this, is we try to have real interactions with bands. I and like talking to people. Yeah. That's I mean that's and why I, I started doing the fucking podcast was to talk to people. Yeah, <laughs> right. and w- you know every time that we've, you know, we've kind of I'm sure other bands do that though. Yeah, but we're we like whenever we No, get mo- it's that's the whole thing to me like it's su- like at least locally like all the touring bands we play with have been very amicable and like friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but like most of the locals and like no band in, like we i feel like our band gets along with other bands well but like the other bands with each other is not normally is cohesive like you think so yeah i mean um like not to but like a time we played at the jinx like people were complaining about set time and it's like yeah just true. roll with this and it's like also we played at shows at l rock where the other locals just don't talk to us at all yeah and it's yeah. like or the what or is what is this air like? We're all on the same fucking playing field. I think field. I try to I I do try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think people are nervous, so that's why I try to go up and like I'll try to talk to people, even if like, so if it's a band I've never heard of, right? I'll I'll still like if I if I get the vibe that they're just kind of shy, like I'll go up and I'll like intru- I'll break the yeah. ice. Like I I like doing that. Um, I I try to, but I think there's a lot of like uh like jealousy in the at the bottom because we're all at the bottom right now like that yeah 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 and that's fine like it's but like don't don't be spiteful because you know someone else got a gig yeah, that you didn't yeah, yeah, get yeah or like absolutely or yeah. and the way that you get better about that is not looking in the mirror and saying that you're fantastic and you've done a lot of work when you haven't you know? yeah that's you a good point you know, there's the whole 10,000-hour rule to be really Mastery, good at something. Yeah. Mastery. Well, and what Jacob's talking about is, like, famine mentality. Yeah. Like, everybody at the bottom's pitted against each other because there's not a lot to go around. It's crabs in a bucket. Yeah. Because, like, one thing that I've noticed is, like, and, like, what you were talking about is, like, um, not an meritocracy. So it's a what we're involved in right now isn't a system that's based on merit how good mm-hmm. you or are. how how much work yeah, you put yeah, in yeah. or how yeah. good you are because a lot of it is subjective and a lot of it is about getting people their first time on on stage and like working shit out so you know at this level um well really probably at any level but certainly this level it's not fair but it probably also shouldn't be yeah 
but like with with me for instance you know like i've i've spent my entire life playing drums and wanting to be better than that than that and i've kind of look it's like with tanner you know and he's again positive whatever like <coughs> that guy's a fucking awesome musician and a great yeah. drummer but like you know the other day when i was like he was like talking about wanting snare drums like i have a shit ton of snare drums and he came over here and he was like oh how do i tune stuff so i showed him how to tune and then i'm like and then I was, like, asking about how he practiced, and he was like, oh, I don't even have a, you know, like, a thing to practice on. I'm like, you need to take this foot practice pad I have and go practice, like, just giving it to him. Because, mm-hmm. like, I have this stuff, and I, I have the luxury when I get off work building drums that I can come home and, Fred, don't you fucking He's dare trying to get in that kick drum. He's always in my kick. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's like I like – I want to show people, like, when they have questions about drumming – how to how to do stuff because i had to do it the hard way every step of the way mm-hmm. and i want to make that e- i genuinely want to make it easier for other people yeah I, I think we're all in the same boat in that yeah, area yeah. yeah you know i've done a ton of work when it comes to music and if i can make somebody's life a little easier so they don't have to go through the like crawl up through the mud mm-hmm. like i'm gonna do that that's just the kind of person i am you know Sure. You know, and I think that's like hopefully is going to help in the long run. But it's it's I would rather it if even if it didn't help me in the long run, I'd like it to make some make it easier for other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that no, I think there is some like karmic aspect to it. Um, you know, yeah. if we put enough good into it, eventually, something if you put good enough good into out. the world, something good will happen because there's less bad existing. Yeah. That's how I like. One it. thing I would just say is like let Jacob finish his his sentences and stuff. Oh yeah. Sorry. You're good. It's okay. No, it's um, just one thing I'm I'm noticing. But um no, I think like really it is like I mean giving back is part of that. Like and being humble is the biggest thing for me. Like I can't stand people who are at this level and aren't humble. Like it I mean we all get <laughs> yeah. full of ourselves sometimes. Like, oh sure. Um and there's definitely some self-bias on everybody's part that just comes naturally. But, like, just be fucking humble. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No one is anybody. Like, chill out. You're going to yeah. be okay. Just play your music and, like, yeah. try to make it good. Um, yeah, we're not we're not doing brain surgery here and saving no. people's lives. Yeah. Really. And it's, you know, I think there's a distinction there because, like, there's there's nothing better than getting up on stage and being a little cocky. Right. But that's where it's supposed to happen. Right. You're supposed to be like confident Save and like that attitude for the stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, and like as soon as you get off, turn it off. Right. Like you just rock the show. You're still carrying your shit to your car. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking Yeah, you know. and maybe like go help the other bands carry their shit to their car if you're Yeah, ex- yeah, and like you know Plain fact of the matter is, in, in the in the grand scheme of legitimacy, we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah. yeah. We're, I would say, legitimate in the sense of a Savannah-based DIY band that's had a lot of, like, ups and downs, but is, like, powered through. We're pretty legit, but in terms of, like, like being an actual legit band, like, I mean, we need T-shirts, and we need to go on a tour, and so. Yeah, we need to finish a full-length album. But I think yeah. being, like. World's our oyster proud of what we've accomplished thus far too is important because like it's not it's not just like a bunch of songs that sound the same with like three chords and four chords like it's a lot there's a lot going on 
Sometimes um, I use five chords. Right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm on that like level. It's a. Uh, I don't know, cause it's weird, like right, cause like, yeah, we actually have put more time in, and we actually have like all this material done, and it's like what what is the and we kind of talked about this a little earlier today but it's like what's the magic factor of like where your productivity like it, it like you said it's not a meritocracy so like how how do you make the work pay off for you mm. um it's a good question and how where does it actually make a difference is and the other part of that and how do you measure success right that's well that's what i'm talking about like to me like we're already successful because we have like 40 songs i connect to sure. as well yeah um and it's not just me going through the motions when i play it's like i actually feel connected to the music um so for me that's already like successful it's the most successful band i've been in um so in that sense like anything else is just icing on the top um, mm -hmm. i mean i think for me like a good measure of success would be like you know, when I started playing, you know, and I still do this now. I mean, Vinny Calise is my favorite drummer. And I would, like, record myself as a teenager, like, playing along to stuff just to, like, see if I could be him. Like, I wanted to be Vinny. Uh -huh. You know, and he's, like, super successful and incredible. But I think a good barometer of success now is that I listen back to me and I don't care if I'm Vinny. Yeah. Like, I'm really, when I listen back to myself, like, I'm really proud that I'm, like, like, I sound like me, and I'm... You're Max Christmas. I'm confident that I sound like Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, know, that's I think that's a huge thing. Sure, absolutely. Because you know, everybody wants to, you know, there there's, like, what is it? There's imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't have to imitate anybody anymore. You know, and... You know, at work, like, okay, you know, there's one guy that I work with. He's a fantastic drummer that, you know, makes a clone joke every now and then. But, like, the other day, because at work, since I haven't been smoking, like, I, I wait until 8.59 so I can run as fast as I can back to the kit cause I, in the back because I don't want to smoke, and that's 15 minutes every break, that, and then I get two breaks, that's a half hour I can practice. And he's like, you know, the other day it was kind of cool. He was like, he's like, I hear you. He's like, I'm hearing you in the back, like doing all this crazy shit. And I was like, he's like, I didn't know you could do that. He's like, you sound like real, like reinvigorated. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, and and I'm like, I'm literally running back there. So nobody else gets on the kit. Nobody else really plays drums at work. But like now I'm making sure they're not playing drums at work because I'm over there. And you're going to either you're going to have to run full speed to beat me to that kick because once i'm sitting there i have a timer and i'm not up until that breaks up like i'm not going to the bathroom i'll go to the bathroom after yeah you know and i think that's like if you want to get good and improve you just kind of have to really have that mindset yeah because nobody yeah go nobody's ahead. gonna nobody's gonna do it for you, mm -hmm. you know? and i do think like yeah i wasn't trying to say either that like hard work doesn't pay off because like it does it i mean it shows um, I think part of the reason we practice too is so that we're actually prepared for when an opportunity does come to like we're ready to s like there's no nervousness about it it's like mm -hmm. okay let's do this shit like um, yeah it's like at the drop mode. of a hat if we got signed to a label right now we could put out three albums worth of stuff and yeah. be like um, 
Uh, and that's just not that that's our goal even but like um you know if we got asked to tour with somebody like we could tailor a set to whoever we're playing with um so i think just being prepared when opportunity knocks you know and that's why i think kind of like circling back to the sort of catalyst for this conversation like i don't blame anybody for like playing either festival like if you got on the stopover bill congratulations that's awesome like i'm glad you got on and i'm glad you got a chance to play with some you know mid mid-level names or big names and if you like if you want to go and play undergo because you didn't get on stopover like i think you should More power like, to you. yeah absolutely yeah. like but i don't what i the one thing that like got me about the whole exchange was just like how bent out of shape people were about it. It's just like, who cares? Why does this, why does, first of all, there was so many, like going back to opinions, there was, dude, that cat is fucking (laughs) awesome. Frank wants his chance on the mic. He's Uh, like, uh, daddy, I got hot rap. His name's not, yeah, exactly. Like say Frank. Yeah. Fred. (laughs) Um, But going back to like, there's so many opinions being thrown around. It's like, how do you how do you even like coalesce with one of them like right. i don't know it was it was just an interesting thing that happened uh, recently with people we know so i figured we might as well talk about yeah. the implications of it but i, I mean don't it think it's like it's not like national news worthy no. <laughs> i mean and in the grand local disses sp- undergo fest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drama and ensues and then I think in the grand scheme of things, when you're going out to perform, your responsibility is, like, if you're on stage, is trying to connect with at least one person. So they, if they're having a shitty day or week, they're not thinking about that for when you're on stage. Like, they're looking at you, and they don't think about that. Yeah. Everybody have a fucking good time. Yeah. yeah. That's all. I mean, there's still, like, one of the first few shows we played at Wormhole – like I still remember someone coming up to me and being like, "You guys made my, like I was having a shitty day, and you guys made like y'all set like, um, you know, changed it for me." No, like, I mean I've I I don't remember verbatim what they said, but it was something to that nature, and it's like that <laughs> I don't know. That's why you so do it. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole reason why. No, I mean one of the coolest things that's happened to me in the past three years was like playing at wormhole and us he's got your socks oh. as us doing like one of the, one of our, remember jacob remember when we would do those fusion gems with nico that would go so out like yeah. just we were doing crazy stuff and like there was a dude that was like he came up to me and he was like he's like i want to play drums now and then i saw him two weeks later and he had actually bought a drum kit like he That's bought cool. a, he bought a drum kit because I, pl- I i he wanted to play drums because he saw me playing drums. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, people, I don't think you can really know how good that feels until that actually happens to you. Yeah. And then, I'm like, once that happens, like, I want more people to play drums because of me. You know, I think that's super important. Because, like, like, I think Vinny, you know, Vinny has done that to tons of people. Yeah, sure. You know, and, I mean, okay. Or been the catalyst for them to, like, want to improve where they're at. Or, like, get better in a specific area. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like me listening to that guy so much. It got me into the whole polyrhythm stuff. And, you know, people saying that certain things that he did were absolutely impossible. And I'm like, okay, I don't think it's impossible. He's a human. I want to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I now have the drive to sit down and be like, 
okay, this is difficult to do. I'm just going to slow it down and, like, regardless, I'm going to learn how to do it. Because mm-hmm. there's still people and there's nothing that's impossible if a human can do it. Yeah. If there's one, bo- somebody can do it, there's another person that can do it, too. You know, and that's, like, it's kind of the bottom line for me and why I play now. You know? Plus, I want to, like, play good in a group, which is the hardest thing. I mean, I think people, when they, like, play music and practice a lot, they forget that, like, it's about playing with other people. It ca- Yeah, it can be for sure. Yeah. That was one of the difficult um, transitions that I had to make because I never really played with people mm-hmm. here and there. Like, I did ensemble work when I was taking piano, and then, like, I tried messing around with people, but nothing ever really got going, and then... You know, being in a group that was dedicated, that was a, it's a hard thing to like, uh, like translate what you're thinking out into music and then get other people to pick up on that. That's a difficult, oh yeah. that's a difficult it's thing. It's extremely difficult, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I like from since I was a kid, like, I was always kind of used to being like the chopsy drum dude where it was okay for me to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a band and like a really good band, which is my first real band that I'm not getting paid to do. Like, yeah, you know, and I want to be a it, like I genuinely want to be a team player. That's why in some spots I play the simplest shit that you could possibly play on a drum kit. Mm-hmm. And it, the difference is, is that while some people would think that's under them, like it's not under me. It's what's best for the ensemble. Yeah. And I think is like being a musician, your goal should be what's best for the ensemble. 100%. Yeah, if you're playing in the group, like you should serve the group. Yeah. Like that's kind of the It's kind, you know, it's kind Yeah, I mean, you kind of like I I mean, a good way to look at it is kind of like think about like the military and going to war even though I've never done that, but like a machine gunner is never going out thinking like he wants to kill as many people as possible to get as many like dog tags on his belt. He's doing Jesus. <laughs> no, he, but he's doing he's doing that. So now relate this back to yourself. But he's like doing that. So like the people that he's fighting with don't get killed. Yeah. You know, yeah. he wants to make sure that all his people are safe. Like, that's why he's putting himself out in harm's way. Yeah. You know, it's like just a team player type aspect. Well, thank you for relating it to saving me private keeping, Ryan. Keeping <laughs> me safe <laughs> when we're up there on stage. It's not I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I the only thing I worry about now being on stage is our monitor mix issues because we it's we been have troublesome <laughs> as of late. We have the worst luck. It makes me want to cry sometimes when I'm on I stage d- d- and just everything goes off. Yeah, I tr- I've tried sort of thinking about it from my end, like sound checking in the best possible way so that, like, I don't check with a clean tone if I'm going to use an overdrive for the first song. Because there's going to be a little bit of natural boost in that, right? Yeah. So, like, I'll check, I'll sound check with the overdrive so that the sound engineer's, like, looking at the board and he's like, these levels look good. And it's not like I come out and play any harder for a song. It's, like, same energy. So, I don't know what the fuck's been going on. We've had a lot of sound issues, though. Well, it's tough when, like, the engineer doesn't know how it's supposed to sound anyway. Like That's true. um, They don't know what type of mix you like. That's true. Necessarily. So that, like, once we get to that level where we have our own sound guy, that'll be nice. Yeah, I I mean. I do appreciate all the guys that do it locally, though. Oh, yeah, no. Because that's a a tricky job. No, I mean, and, like, it's, like, who's the guy that that drinks? John. uh, John. John, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I'm always forgetting his name. But, like, he has the super tough job when he has to work with us because we have, like, 
We have our thing, but then we have other. He has other bands. Yeah, you kind of got to be a one size fits all type mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he's trying his best to make sure that it's like globally good for everyone. And sometimes yeah. it's going to be a, you know, it's a little worse for everybody when you have to make it as good for everybody because you can't yeah. like right. He can't put all his attention on making sure that we're comfortable on stage. Like I wouldn't want him to do that and then make like. The other bands like monitor mix sound like shit, so it's hard for them. Yeah, I'd much rather have a less good monitor mix if that means that everybody's on an even playing field. Yeah, yeah, it's the only way that it makes sense. Yeah, I wonder who they get to like run sound for these events at Stopover because they're kind of all over the place, like they're in churches yeah. and shit too, huh? I know yeah, that there's, there's one, some, there's some group I feel like that does it. I don't think th- I don't think there is though, um, because there's uh, there's a jazz bass player in town that used to be like the upright bass teacher in some school in South Carolina. I think it was like UC Buford, but he does it. He has uh, his own little personal like X32 rig, and he'll mix for that. Oh, cool! Like he'll he'll show up to a church or something and run sound. Yeah, for the I day. think he was doing the. I think he was the doing the Perry Lane shows because they had like they had oh, like okay. rock bands at the Perry Lane Hotel. Interesting. Yeah, it was like re- on the roof or. No, it looked. I mean, I saw pictures from uh, his Facebook, and it looked like it was like down by the elevator or some shit. It was real weird. Huh. Oh, they might have had like a like a conference room or something. Something like go this. pee, go pee, go pee. Come on, everybody. Hey, Jacob, I have, keto- I have ketone strips by the by the toilet in case you got to check your ketones if you're a diet. fucking ketones. <laughs> what are ketones? Yeah, I don't fucking know. So that's when you have ketone acidosis and, like, you have to piss on the test the strip to make sure that it's not a uh, – you're not ke- spilling ketones. Ketone acidosis? Yeah, ketone acidosis is where your body is um, – I thought it was keto acidosis. No. No, um, ketone acidosis is where your body is kind of like – like, you have high blood sugars, and your body starts digesting stuff, and it turns to acid, and you get acids in your blood. Mm. And, like, when I got sick, and I guess we I can just give people a little backstory. I was doing a gig, or doing a rehearsal for a gig, ended up getting really, really sick. Um, and that morning, I woke up with, like, some ketones in my system, which was, like, indicative of, like, being sick and a high blood sugar. And, like, you know, I came home, was really sick. Like, you took me home. I went to sleep. Woke up the next morning, and, like, as soon as I took a piss on that test strip, on the ketone strip, they normally don't change color, but it turned almost black instantly. And I'm like, oh, like, this is bad. I got to go to the, the emergency room. How'd you get there? Um, this chick gave me a oh, ride. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you ended up taking a hospital, like, an ambulance or something. No. I wasn't going to do that. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Isn't that the craziest thing? Like, you have to, like, gauge your injury as to whether it's worth so it to, like, get assistance to go to a hospital. Because Jacob would be a good person. So did you have to pay when you got in your car accident that then they got into an You got into another accident in the ambulance when it got rear-ended by another driver. Did you have to pay wait, for Wait, what? You had to pay for two yeah. ambulances, right? Wait, hang on. Back. Yeah, wait, wait, tell us. Wait, you got. So you got in an accident. Yeah. And then the ambulance you were in got in an accident? Yeah. Uh, why don't I move to another ambulance? I never fucking wait. When was this? Uh, this when my big car wrecked. The oh, the, the um, the one on uh, Henry or whatever. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. shit! I didn't know about that. Yeah. So what but the like fuck? They, it wasn't even like that. It was like fucking a minute after too. I had gotten put in the first ambulance, 
then some truck slammed into the back of the ambulance I was in and like <laughs> we're like all right well we got to pull over and like it wasn't even they didn't hit us that hard it was like a hit and run like maybe a fender got bent but uh wait they yeah. it was a hit and run yeah yeah the oh, th- shit. A truck hit the back of the ambulance and took off what the fuck um and then they pulled over I've never heard the story. We got two different police reports, two different ambulance bills. It was crazy. Uh, th- like the, ch- I really want to know what the chances are of like <laughs> that. But uh, that's got to be a low one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that you're the only one that's left that hasn't actually had a big. M- have you had a big medical scare since the band started? Big medical scare? No, just the overwhelming, impending possibility of Alzheimer's. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but uh. Never medical. Have I? No, I don't know. Anx- like general anxiety. I deal with depression, yeah. but that's like in terms of what you guys have been dealing with. That's pussy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, get I mean sad sometimes. No, I mean. <laughs> Got to go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mental health is just as important. It's true, but it's like in terms of the like the actual uh, like proximity to death, like yeah. your accident's yeah. much worse in his yeah. keto acid ketone acidosis. It's much worse than me getting the blues every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think anything serious. I'm always, I'm always at a proximity with hospitals, and right. I'm always the, I'm dealing with the transportation or visiting or yeah. you're a straight man. <laughs> yeah, d- I've been like I was thinking about it the other day, and since I guess like the obvious marker would be like when I started dating Sam is like, so that was two years i've been to the hospital like 13 times yeah which is a lot yeah it is and never once for me i just like to go sam <laughs> <laughs> was in they need to give a you a punch card or something i know like <laughs> do see for real like if you because g- like part of it was like i was so sleep deprived and i made a fucked up call but like uh, Sam started going into this cycle with her illness and like she was in the, the hospital and we ended up like she she has a, a method of treating herself, which is pretty effective. It's not a hundred percent guarantee, but it's pretty effective in dealing with it so that, you know, she can live the day to day and go to work and shit like that. And the people at the hospital were basically telling me like she can't use that self treatment anymore because right. that's what's putting her in the hospital. And I was so tired, I was just like okay, well, we're just not going to do that anymore. And then we ended up going back to the hospital like eight or nine times that week. I think it was eight times. And then finally I was just like, you know what? Just go back to self-medicating. And yeah. it like didn't go Work. back to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, and then, yeah, that was fucked up. And I feel like you should have a, you should have a punch card in that situation. Like if we come back for the same fucking thing five times, it's like you guys are paying <laughs> for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be about, you know, I feel like in her situation, what they're doing is they're trying to push their message on it, which costs a certain amount of money. Yeah. And then they get a kickback from the company because they're pushing their drug on her. I something. I don't know. What the fuck? Well, that, don't, that don't work. And she's in pain. And, you know. Yeah. We could do a whole nother three hours on the Let's <laughs> talk about the healthcare system. <laughs> Guys, let's do it. Like, we can solve it. Right. <laughs> so, hey. Get a legal pad. We're doing it. <laughs> uh, you want me to go? Uh, oh, no, because I don't have my old phone now. And I, uh, that would have been funny if I read off my list of complaints that I had involved involving diabetes treatment. Do you remember any of them? 
Well, the whole one of the things was when. Okay. Not so enough chips in the snack machine. Oh so when I was that just reminded me of. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so being in ketoacidosis, one of the things that you they don't when you're like throwing up and stuff is they put you on a uh, something diet, but basically means that you're on a, a sucrose drip, and then they put they give you a bag of uh, insulin bag. Um, so you can't have even ice chips. What they did to me was they – so you have um, – the way they dose insulin is a sliding scale, which makes everybody the same. And my the way I dose my insulin is for every 10 carb grams, I give three units of insulin. My sister, who Cece, who's a diabetic, she's been a diabetic for 10 years. She is on um, seven, 7 to 10. So every 10 carb grams she eats, she takes seven units of insulin because of just general insulin resistance. Um, and the s- what the sliding scale does is you they just give you an amount of insulin, which is the same for everybody. And the first meal that I have after I was out of ketone acidosis, they gave me a giant thing of pasta. They gave me a breadstick, pudding, and fruit. So like 150 grams <laughs> of carbs. They gave me pudding and fucking fruit. <laughs> I just got out of DKA. Right. There's so much sugar, like sugar in that, and then they, they only give me eight units of insulin. Mm. Like, what are you doing? So one of the one of my big complaints was like, you don't, you need to, you know, call the doctors who are prescribing this insulin so you can get clarification. This is how much you they need to get, and you have to put and balance that out with the nutrition. But you, they don't even put nutritional information on the on on their food. Oh, like, like the food orders? They have no idea how many carbs are in the food. That seems wrong. That seems they should just they should just know that for everybody, not just like people with diabetes. Yeah. It's like when my you know, when my dad was in the hospital, you know, they would give him like food, you know, that had like super high sodium and he's a he was a heart patient. Why would that's you do why would you weird. do that? Yeah. Keep him there longer. Yeah, you're gonna kill people. That's fucked that's up. That's and that's what happened. You know, I mean that Memorial Hospital is. Hopefully, they fucking hear. Here's this, another story about Memorial. I mean that uh. it's a dang that's a dangerous place, and it's not because of their doctors. My doctor, Doctor Co, is like, you know, once I had a discussion <coughs> with him, is the re I'm like he's one of the reasons why I'm probably alive because he was like, he's like this guy has a six point nine A one C, his A one C is better than non diabetic. He knows what he's doing. He's like, I'm not getting in the way because every time we've tried to do it our way, it's sent him almost back into DKA. So he's like, it's going to be on him. Why don't healthcare professionals, like, listen? Like, why is there a a sliding scale? I don't understand. Like, shouldn't there be, like, some sort of faith in the diabetic that's kept themselves alive for a while? But you have to think of how many diabetics are in there that haven't done that. That are just shit about dealing with they their come diabetes. In and they're coming, their A1C is a 15. Hmm. Like, that means that your blood sugar is swinging hugely out of control. And, like, you know, he was telling me that there's diabetics that feel like their blood sugar is low when it's 2.8. And that's just because they, like, desensitize b- themselves to sugar or something? No, that's because they're so used to running in the three to 400s as a normal blood sugar. Yeah, so they're like they're desensitizing yeah. themselves. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Now, what's like my blood sugar like right now? Like if you had to get like just ballpark. I would probably when did you last eat? 
that long. Fucking like four hours ago. Probably ninety-five to a hundred. And these then these people are at like three forty. Yeah, three forty. But this is how they're averaging. I can tell. I can. Is this why people like lose feet and shit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can physically tell. When my crazy. blood sugar Look, is yeah. like 210, like I start really feeling it and I start getting tired and like getting dry mouth. But I can I can tell when my blood sugar is 65 to the point where I can test it and it's between 60 and 65. Wait, so is it worse to have a higher blood sugar or a lower Low. blood sugar? Low. Okay. Well, it depends if you're like obviously you don't want to be not. you don't want to be too high. If you're non-diabetic, having like extremely high blood sugar will make you a diabetic. Like, mm. it'll b- yeah, it'll yeah, burn bring out. You that's, into that's how you get like type two. Yeah. Well, that's like when I think we've had one or two instances on stage. Yeah. Where, where you I've like crash? Where I crash and I'm. But just that's high <laughs> blood sugar. Or? Low blood sugar. That's uh. when I. That's when I start, and you can tell that I'm my blood sugar's getting low because my right foot stops working on a bass drum. Wait, and so I can't do two strokes, like doubles. So you get tired with low b- blood sugar, but you also get tired with high no, blood sugar. No, I get really spaced out. Oh. You know, I f- I kind of forget how to play when my blood sugar crashes, and that's why I've been like, you know, looking at you and like diet or like regular coke right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I keep, like, I, I get two regular Cokes on stage. Like, every time I play, I have two regular Cokes on stage and a Diet Coke or Starbucks. So I know what's what. And then I have water. You hmm. know? So in case I start feeling like I'm crashing, I can chug one. Huh. You know? Because, like. Because it's essentially, like, your body needs sugar to operate. And right, like function. right. But, so, like, when it's gone. Your muscles seize up and like your brain stops. Your brain working. stops like, but too much of that is like the opposite. Where you're almost like I can tell honestly, just because I did keto for a little bit, like how how my blood sugar feels mm-hmm. just simply from eating like what I eat. Um, yeah. I can notice. It's not e- It's so hard to explain how it feels, but um, when I eat a lot of carbohydrates, I do feel like. Um, it's almost a jitteriness to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's strange. No, I mean I noticed that with you when if you've eaten a bunch of carbs and shit, like you kind of act differently. You're really and you're not a sluggish dude by any stretch of the right. imagination, but you act slower. Yeah. You know, I think you can probably notice that when my blood sugar is starting to crash. Yeah. It's real obvious that something's going on. I yeah. get really cranky, or I I don't have. I used to have like really bad hypoglycemia. And so, like, if I didn't eat, I'd get really cranky. Yeah. And, like, just be kind of a little bitch about everything. No, I'm the same. And then intermittent fasting sort of, like, leveled that out for whatever reason. I don't – I caught a little bit of it that one show we had that went pretty bad. Well, it didn't go bad. I just was not having a good time because I was, like, running off coffee and no food. Right. So my body had this, like, fake energy in it, and, like, my blood sugar was really low. Yeah. That was pretty – that was the worst it's been in a long time, but yeah. I kind of get what you're saying about like gauging your blood sugar. I don't know what mine's like when it's high, but yeah. when it's low, I know I get like like real edgy. Well, yeah. you're not gonna get hot. Your pancreas works, so like your body is gonna produce more insulin, so that doesn't happen. That's why like diabetics can go, non-diabetics can go out and eat a buffet, and like they might feel tired afterward because their blood sugar is a little more elevated. You just like need a little food nap. Yeah, exactly. Well, you need you literally do. You need a little food nap so that your body can produce more insulin, and then you wake up and you feel fine. I like to call that a food coma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
need to go. You eat yourself where you can't <laughs> move. See, and I can't. I've never been able to do that. Like, I've always been the person that like Thanksgiving is like one plate of food, and oh. I'm just like, I'm done. I'm the op. I'm a binge eater. Like, that's something I've had to kind of deal with and space my meals out because I used to just not eat all day and then just gorge at night. Like, mm. it was <laughs> it was not healthy. No, I mean, and that's it's like how lions eat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I one of the things I've noticed. One big meal. <laughs> and that's one of the things I've noticed since I've quit smoking and stuff is, like, I actually notice when I get hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, you can really curb your appetite with cigarettes. That's what I was doing. Like, you can, repla- yeah. you can replace a full meal with two cigarettes and not be hungry again for, like, two hours. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm not smoking, like, I get to work. But, like, I have to. I have to eat at least on the way. Yeah. To work. I have to put something in my body. It's not an energy drink, you know. And, like, I have to at least eat a banana and, like, a Nutrigrain bar going to work. But if that's all I eat, by 8.30, I have to eat again. Like, I feel like I'm – I feel terrible. Yeah. You know, and that's what you notice, like, when you actually start taking your health into consideration is, like, you notice how bad you feel. You notice your body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, you know, your body is a – a temple, and you gotta make sure it doesn't fall apart. This temple needs to start nailing sweep arpeggios, or I'm gonna throw <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this temple. <laughs> this temple sucks. See, that's why I feel about double bass. But then I'm just like, wait, like I'm, I can play this shit for ten minutes straight, like mm-hmm. without stopping. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good run. I wish I could do sweep arpeggios for ten <laughs> minutes straight. I wish you could just do sweep arpeggios at all. Oh, oh. I mean, I can't sweep. Your instrument's not. <laughs> yeah. Can can you sweep on bass? Like not you, but like can people? Um. I yeah, it's more of a raking technique. Mm. Than I would call it than a sweep. It's an outside activity. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you could. Sweep I do want to learn how to do f- like bass taps. Those are pretty cool. Um, but not to where I'm playing a song only tapping. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think that's like. That's the so I try to bake in techniques into like parts of songs. Right. So I have to learn technique like that's what mm-hmm. Tai Chi uses is was a chance for me to have to focus on sweeps. But you know, I'm not sweeping for the entire fucking song. Right. Like it's the same thing with like double stops or anything like that. It's like it's not interesting to me when you've just baked in a technique as a trope. Right. Unless if it's a part thing that's okay, but like right. you might as well play a major scale. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, I'm going to tap for <laughs> for three minutes of music. But that's the thing, Buckle though, in. when you have, like, a certain technique that's required to play a part, you're looking to get that technique down so you don't have to think about it. So you're just mm-hmm. playing music. Yeah. You know. One thing I noticed that when I was practicing it avidly that made it, like, way easier to play was going beyond the scope of what the part actually called for. So the part is, like, a a one octave sweep arpeggio bouncing back between the major and minor arpeggio. And to get better at it, I would run that, but then I would also on the next pass run a two octave arpeggio major and then minor. And then I would run, you know, up and back. And then I would try to mix in shit that was really hard. So like a major up and a minor back. And like that just made the original part, which is just that one octave sweep way fucking easier. Mm -hmm. Cause then I didn't have to do all that other shit on top of it. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah. I don't know anything. You go a little beyond what you act, what it actually calls for. Yeah. So yeah. you can gain a little bit more expertise in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like lifting weights, though. Like you know, I look at my now drum- you're in my domain. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm gonna be in your. I mean, we're, we just, we've talked about me starting to work out with you. I'm gonna get fucking to we're the We're gonna point. be the most ripped band. <laughs> we should be. I mean, why are we not right now? <laughs> Let's all probably start I've been pushing. Roids. I've been pushing for this for three years. <laughs> probably because for two of those years, I was living off three hours of sleep and maybe a Jesus. meal a day. <laughs> not doing that anymore. Yeah. But I mean, you you know, I mean, like to accomplish that type of stuff, you know, you have to like physically be at a certain level mm-hmm. you know and like maintain that it's like with my drumming there has to be a certain level that i have to hit to just maintain yeah and like with me because i've been playing so long i feel like if i can only practice two or three times a week that's only enough for maintenance mm-hmm. it's and i have to practice a lot more because i've been doing this for so long so i don't get worse yeah you know and like once a week practicing is like you're just gonna if you you might as well not practice. You might as well not because you're just gonna get worse still. Yeah. So like you got to do three hour or or three times a week just to maintain where you're at so you don't lose anything. That's something I actually started doing is like outside of my normal practices is like only doing maintenance sessions. So like rerunning songs, mm-hmm. which isn't something that I've been doing a lot in this band. Like I'll practice, I'll shed a song when it's first up. And then practice it before shows and stuff. But very rarely would I just, like, randomly run songs. So I started doing a practice where I'll just run six. And I'll, like, that's been super beneficial. Because then I'm I'm having to remember the form and, like, just, I don't just. It's not like it's that difficult. But it helps you, like, maintain it. And I'm way better off, like, coming to sit down in a practice like this, having run a couple of those songs than, like, just trying to work it out here, you know. I mean, and that's what I think a lot of people that aren't in bands, you know, they think that you like, okay, we wrote these songs so we can just do them whenever. Yeah. Without taking in consideration that there's 35 plus songs that any of those could show up on. Guess how many we're at with Dark Horse? How many? Yeah. 42? 40. Okay. (laughs) Now it's less impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's... Yeah. Good work. For three years, though, you know, and that... Three years and three months. Three year, is it really? Three, three years and three months, yeah. Did we become abandoned in, like, January? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was, like, January. I think the, like, official unofficial day is, like, January 11th. Nice. Gang shit. One, uh, one is my anniversary with y'all, and then January 10th or 11th is my anniversary with Sam, and I should know the difference between the two, but <laughs> I don't right now. <laughs> but, no, there's, like, there's a certain element of, like, um, like you were saying – um, like I wrote the song and like there's a misconception with I can just play it whenever like you have to keep the yeah. unconscious stuff conscious well you called like, you were like let's play cope and I was like fuck I don't yeah. even remember how cope goes and like we sat I kind of like worked it out a second I was like that's the rough idea but right in terms of lyrics and structure and fuck yeah. I'd be making a lot of mistakes if we had to plug through it right now yeah so that's when I gotta go run I gotta go run rough trip and was that Eden Dawes Suite and Souvenirs and Paralysis and all these names that people know, know and love. <laughs> yeah. They will one day. Mm. Yeah, and then the pro- the Math Rock fans will be like, is that really in seven? Souvenirs? Yeah, it's in seven. Is it, yeah. It's just it on, doesn't on it the accents on the upbeat. Yeah, it just doesn't sound like Math Rock, <laughs> the obvious seven. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that, and maybe, the, like, does it 
with the whole math rock thing, because I listen to really progressive music, and mm. Odd Time has just been a part of my life since I started playing, because I've always loved those rhythmic shapes. Does it kind of annoy you when certain bands are like, kind of using that as like an accolade like oh this they're showing me stuff and there's like oh this is in seven and i'm like do you want to like do you want me to give you a medal yeah yeah for sure like so here's the thing like what i really liked about prog was there was always so much musicality with it and sometimes prog dudes are up their own dicks Mm -hmm. like but let's be honest sometimes punk dudes are up their own dicks. like sometimes people just be up their own dicks (laughs) but Prague as an art form, like Prague music is very musical, and that's what I always liked about it. Is there's like a lot of drama and sort of like emotion behind and composition. it. Composition, but like with like math rock, and I'm not a math rock genius, and I don't listen to a ton of math math rock. But from what I've heard, is it's like they're taking things like Odd Times, and they're trying to make that their case for like, um, like why it's cool. It like, like goes back to the tapping thing almost. Yeah, it's less like about it's it's less of like they approached it from like like oh I wrote something that sounds really cool. They're like I wrote something that sounds really cool because it's like in three and then in seven and then in nine and it's like that's cool that you can do that. I th- I applaud you, but it's like I think. But how does it feel? Yeah, like I think like your my interest level isn't on like the fact that you're doing that because I'm not gonna pay that much attention. Right. I'm not gonna like oh I'm gonna count out all the shit they're doing like right. sometimes you see people do that with like dream theater tunes and they're like this is how many different Bar time signatures they go into and you're watching it and it's like that's cool i'm not gonna do that yeah i have no interest in doing that with anybody like even our music sometimes i don't right. count yeah <laughs> nah, i'm just kidding i do well i mean but there's like the whole thing where people are like oh yeah this isn't this riffs in seven yeah and then, I, and then i'm like okay play something else in seven yeah so and is money bitch yeah, mm-hmm. and they sp- but they have it th- once through you're like okay don't play that but play something else in seven or like switch th- switch the accent note to the upbeat yeah like they have no idea how to do it yeah I think there's definitely a level to it um it doesn't necessarily annoy me like I've j- I've just like <laughs> um out of groups that we've played with like a lot more of the spread of math rock dudes have been dicks than not dicks. Yeah. <laughs> So well, it's that's all I'll say about th- that. It's almost like uh, they think they've unlocked something that no one else can figure out. Yeah. It's like, I, like when I sit down to write stuff uh, with the fusion band, it's like I think about how it feels first and foremost because how else are you going to make anyone else feel it? Yeah. Um, even if it is a weird time signature, like if you make it completely fucking obvious that it's seven and you hit all seven – like on the downbeat like cool you get you hit seven notes consecutively congratulations like there's four quarter note or four sixteenth notes in between each of those like you can do so much more with it um but i don't even count shit out until i learn how to play it first and then i count it to know mm-hmm. how i can transition on to the next thing it's not like just and it informs and the math stuff especially is just it's just a string of uh, like i like chan and all but a lot of it's just like strings of notes, mm. um, and if you don't like accent it in a cool way, like it doesn't serve a purpose. It's like tapping or like anything. Else. It's just like cool. It doesn't feel good, right? But that's what I've noticed with bass players, at least the good ones. And I put you in the category of good ones. Is I they always it. <laughs> yeah, you suck. <laughs> they always they always talk about feel. 
that's like feel is with bass players is like the most important thing and i think that if you play with a good bass player like they're really aware if it feels good or doesn't feel good and the ones that have really good feel like jacob doesn't play a lot no. he leaves a lot of space for everything else to happen around him cuz he's playing you know he's in his frequency spectrum where you just kind of hang out in the bottom by yourself because you're the lowest thing on stage. Yeah. You know, and you understand that role of being like foundational. Right. But also, if I like, but if you got to fuck around and play the wrong, no- like, it's a lot more obvious when you hit a wrong note on a bass, like, because then the context of everything is changed, mm-hmm. and like, I'm either making the guitar sound bad or I just sound bad, mm-hmm. and like. Um, so yeah, I mean, feel is the most important part of music, really. I, like, I would agree. There's a bunch of elements, but, like, feel, I think, is, like, that's how you translate it to other people. Like, that's the only way you're able to connect with other people through it. I even, I even, like, I start, like, two levels dumber than that. Yeah. Because, like, feel you're starting to get into music. I start with, like... The first thing is, like, does this sound good? Because right. I'll double check with, like, like Sam, because she's around there. Like, my mom, if she happens to be around. I'll, like, run it by him. I'm like, does this sound good? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not crazy, I'm right? I'm not like, <laughs> hey, mom, like, check out this thing I wrote in five. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, but, like, I'll be like, does this sound good? And if I get a yes, I'm like, okay. Like, because sometimes that's the a part where I'm hung up on. I'm like, I don't even know if this sounds good. Yeah. Um, and then my next sort of marker is, like, do I enjoy playing this? Right. Um, there was a song I was writing last week. I'm still working on it, but I'm I'm really fucking excited about it because it's kind of like some stuff we've written, but it's really fucking different because I'm almost approaching it from the bass yeah. and not from the guitar. And so it hits a lot of these really interesting points. But um, what I kind of used as my model for that song was Gouge Away by Pixies. And not in a like a note for note or a feel kind of thing. It just was like the song I was listening to was kind of informing a lot of the decisions I was making right. for the structure. And I had that song and the song I was writing just in my head one night and I was trying to sleep and I just couldn't cause those two songs were like switching back and forth on full blast. Right. And that's how I just knew that that was like a, a gonna be a good song. Right. It's like, it sounded good. I loved fucking playing it. Like I loved the act of playing it and then right. it just felt fucking awesome right so i think you start there i don't think you start with like what's something really hard i could play right <laughs> like, what's I don't gonna know. impress people yeah like yeah i don't yeah yeah I that mean, almost I doesn't ever even cross my mind no i think that i mean and i think that's unfortunately is like when i even and i've only gotten away from this in the past probably two years now is i would play shit on stage and be like what's gonna impress like the people that might play drums, so I'm like the killer drummer. Yeah. When it doesn't, nah. Nobody cares if I can play hand foot rolls. And in fact, <laughs> you'll alienate more people by trying to be that person, like like Brennan Mitchell. <laughs> well, no, like, like the more like showy you are, like generally to me, that's off put. Like, cause like we were talking before about like serving the music as a whole, it's like. You stand, like, and me and Brennan talked about this a little bit earlier, but, like, the reason solos are a thing is because, like, that's your time to shine. Or, like, if in the jazz instance, like, 
if you can make all the things stack on top of each other in a, like a beautiful way, then like that's better than fucking your chops. Who gives a shit about your chops? Yeah, I mean, I like maybe a few musicians will be impressed, but like in the process of trying to be showy, you're gonna alienate the layperson listeners. Like, um, I mean, and that's so. one of the cool things that you've given me compliments, you know, because like I think rarely now you're able to. You're always on. S- we're always on stage together, so you're never really anymore in an audience perspective. But like when I've done those blues things, yeah, and I'm not playing shit, but like you give me more compliments doing that because you're just like you're laying down a rock solid beat and it feels really good. Right. That's the thing. And you, you are doing like you're adding all these cool accents, but if you didn't like pay it, if you weren't paying attention to the drums, like you wouldn't even notice it. Yeah, and uh, my playing is not in the way of the. Right. It's not about drums. It's about everything happening kind of globally. Yeah. You know, As I think that's the most important thing about music is being a team player. Music's the ol- is one of the only, like, artistic team sports, really. I mean, okay, you have, like, a guy with an acoustic guitar, and he's by himself singing. And that can still be fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, but once you get another person playing with them – then you have to there's that ebb and flow of space and time and like give and take mm-hmm. you know which is that's difficult because it's really about like you're having to do nonverbal compromising yeah you know to make it work which is interesting it's an interesting thing that we do mm. yeah and then you it's know really and weird. then we and then me and you have been on stage too playing at jam sessions where there's uh certain techs certain guitar techs um you know that are just playing stuff that doesn't make sense, and they don't—they're not paying attention. They're just pla- doing whatever they want to do, and it's out of context. Right. And we're just like, okay, like I guess we're just gonna stay here and play this exact same thing. Right. Until he decides to stop. Yeah. And that's like. Really but it is bad. good having that connection in moments like that where it's like okay well at least we're both on like you and i are on the same boat (laughs) you have had so many times where you've looked at me and you're like fuck we're stuck up here that's the saturday nights (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh my god but yeah i mean i don't know but on the flip side though when i was when we were doing that shit and then i would get bored and like overplay like, there's probably a reason why that guy still wanted other people to play with him after that. Right. Because I wasn't respecting the space. Right. You know? And that's so, like, obvious to me now. It's like, you gotta... You kinda gotta play... If you're good, you kinda gotta play to the level of, like... Not the worst guy in the, the band, but, like, the least experienced. So that they're not, like, drowning. Yeah. Like, if you're the... If and you're, then you're not scaring them with, like they don't know where they're at, you know? Yeah, yeah, you gotta be a team player and, you know, not let anybody drown, you know. Because, like, as a good rhythm section person, your your first job is to make everybody else sound better. You know, I think that's a good barometer for any musician, is if you're playing with, with people and they sound better because of you, then you're doing w- a way better job than being a virtuoso that, like, is impressing people and people are like, Oh, he's a Steve Vai of drums. Yeah. Like, I'd much rather be the Steve Gadd of drums, where he's on a bazillion records, and, like, playing easy stuff that everyone loves to play with him, because he's so easy to play with. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think like that's the best. That's the mark of the best musicians is being easy to deal with. Because I've you know I've met some really good musicians. You know, and like, like the the time I met Tony Levin. Like Tony Levin is the nicest guy. He was the bass player for Peter Gabriel and stuff. He played on a bazillion stuff. He was the bass player for Liquid Tension Experiment when I was uh, hanging out with Richard Leo Johnson, like helping him out when he went to Mirfest. He's like the nicest guy. Like he's the dude that would like probably give you a couple bucks if you met him at the grocery store and you're like, oh, I don't have any gas. Like I need gas, and he would be like, okay, like here's like three, four dollars. Whereas if I think you met some other rock stars who are really big, but maybe just lucky and they're not really as good like i've heard that those kinds of people aren't that nice because they really take themselves very seriously mm. and tony's actually tony levin has actually done some heavy heavy shit and he i think understands that like he's lucky to just play bass as a job that's the dream mm. yeah thank god for tony levin he's awesome mm. except for the fact that he made he made the trapman stick cool the what? The Chapman stick. That you know, like the tap guitars, where it's like a bunch of strings, like twelve strings, and it's like a bass on the bottom side, and then it goes all the way up, and it's just tapping. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he invented this Chapman stick. Not saying that it's not cool. And Tony Levin plays it; it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So this will before we go. This will be a, an interesting question. What's uh, have you guys found any albums that you were like? You want to throw out that you've just been like, holy shit, I can't believe this exists in the past like month. I have to think about it. Do you have Do you have one out of the? Well, there was okay. So I showed uh, Jacob this, and I think that everybody that likes music, cool music in general, should check this out. And it's um the Scott Kinsey uh, We Speak Lunawas album, which mm-hmm. is like a tribute to the music of Joe Zawinul. Mm-hmm. And it has, um, you know, Scott Kinsey from Tribal Tech, uh, Gergo Borlai is playing drums on it, and Hadrian Ferrard, who's like the French bass monster. And, you know, they're playing, it's like a, a tribute album to Joe Zawinul, and they're just playing Zawinul tunes like, you know, Cucumber Slumber and like Port of Entry. But they have this one song where it's, I'm pretty sure it's Kokai from, um, Dap Theory, which is a band in the early 2000s doing all the fusion stuff, mm-hmm. where he's like rapping about Joe Zawinul like over all this fusion shit and it's just like it's cool when you hear music on an album where there's so much synergy to where it all belongs together where like if one song on that album weren't there it would be incomplete mm-hmm. like I've, I, that's the kind of albums I want to make because like uh, on a, you know there's no filler on it they don't mm-hmm. have every song needs to be there, and if it wasn't on, it wouldn't be the same album if like one of those songs was missing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that like it's cool to hear albums where there's no filler. Yeah, you know, like that's what I want Mr. Waits' albums to be is like there's not a not a filler track on there, where you know you know what I'm talking about when you hear like certain albums and there's like four or five songs and then you, they have some other shit on there and it's just like. Okay, those aren't, like, that good. They're filler tracks. I've always wondered if that's a circumstance of, like, because they have two or three songs that are, like, really strong and they know that they can make money off of the singles, but the record label has to produce an album, if they just make those guys come up with those other tunes or if it, like, they're just genuinely tunes that don't play to the public. I've always been curious as to that because, like, basically what I try to do every time I write a song is, like, I try to write something that's like a single Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, that just stands by itself. Like sometimes I like things informing each other and like, oh, these two songs are cool and they go well together. But like, I don't, I don't ever try to like write in the mindset of like, well, I need one more song for, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't ever, g- we have such a body of work and we probably always will be a little bit ahead of what we're outputting yeah. that we hopefully don't ever run into that position where I like we're working on an album and I'm working on songs. Yeah. I don't ever want to get into that no. position. Cause I think that's when you end up with those albums that have a lot of filler. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, we actually, we've been in the studio for a month. We only have six songs. We got it. We have to have 11. The label has said that we have to have 11 songs. Yeah. I think that's when you run into those issues. And like a good example of that is like, do you know the band deep blue something? Mm-mm. They did the song like, "Well, I said, what about breakfast yeah, at Tiffany's?" Yeah. They had an, they did an album. I don't remember. I got it f- for Christmas, and it was like, <laughs> all the songs were garbage, and then that song was the live version, mm. and it was such a disappointing record. <laughs> so I'm glad that album exists, so I know what it's like for a disappointing record to exist. <laughs> yeah, I know, what, I know what a disappointing record sounds like. I don't know if I generally like. Because the music that I love, I love so much. Like, okay, there might be some Yannick Guzdala stuff that I'm not as excited that it ex- exists. But, like, I still love it. I love it that it, it's, like, th- it exists. There's just, like, certain albums might not be my preference, and I might not listen to them as much. But, like, I've still listened to them top to bottom. Yeah. Just because they're out there. You know, and I get if he comes, if I see something with Yannick's name on it, who's like my favorite bass player, you're gonna at least check it out. Yeah, just because he's on it. Yeah, I think that speaks to like your respect for him as a musician. And but I don't do that to drummers though. Well, you're not. You don't like drummers. I just like other than like Vinny and Tony Williams, a couple other people. Like you don't really like drummers. But like I never was stalked. Like I never stalked Vinny on albums. I was just like, oh, he's on this stuff I like too. Yeah, it was always like, like if if it was Alan Holdsworth related, like I was stalking Alan stuff. Yeah, or I was stalking Frank Zappa or Tribal Tech stuff. Like that was those were the names I was looking for because I like, it's like with Tribal Tech, I figured out that if there was Scott Kinsey or Gary Willis or Scott Henderson on it, or Kurt Covington, who's the drummer of that group, because Kurt Covington is the man. Like I knew that that would just be like there was a 95% chance that I was going to be stoked about yeah. that music. It wasn't about the drumming on it. It was just like, there's a good chance that I'm going to really like this just because he's on it. Did you think of an album? No. Yeah. Honestly, the last month I haven't. Just been bouncing around. There's been around. nothing relatively new. I've done. A l- I've actually gone back and listened to a bunch of stuff I haven't listened to in a while. So That's what I've been kind of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Can we say old records that we're glad exist or does it have to be a new one no it can be old i'm really glad that uh doolittle by the pixies exists that's one of those albums for me is just like it has all my well like not all of them but it has most of my favorite songs by them on it it was like a real turn for them and as a band and it was just one of those albums where it was like straight up bangers (laughs) for you like yeah yeah and i love how it even has like these weird like songs that nobody thinks of when they think of pixies but like i showed you i bleed earlier like it does this cool thing where the bass player is like singing the song and the guitar player 
is like kind of he's saying the same words but he's kind of talking over her it's really cool like I'm, there's just all kinds of stuff like that they have this song called something against you which informed a lot of not your daddy's debt because it sounds like they recorded it them playing it in like a warehouse and y- like it sounds like the microphone's feeding back and it sounds really bad except for like this like sort of flamenco guitar in the front i don't know it's just it's such a cool album well one of the things i think i've noticed about the pixies is they do stuff like like there's all these bands that would be like oh it would be cool if we tried this and then they never do that Mm -hmm. where the pixies are just like it would be cool if we tried this and then they put it on an album uh i mean maybe i haven't looked a lot into their like production techniques i know um well, just sonically, they sound like ri- risk-taking bands. Yeah, that's what I really like about them is they're really weird and they they take risks. I mean, that song "Debaser" is so cool just yeah. with that get that intro mm-hmm. with the the way ah oh, the way the bass sounds on that is so thick and cool. Yeah, and like they have, I mean, they do a, we do a lot of stuff kind of like them where we have those little like it doesn't "Debaser" doesn't sound hard to play. Until mm-hmm. you actually go to try to play it, and then, uh, you know, with me being me, I have to write that shit out so yeah. I can understand metrically what's happening. And then I'm like, you know, you never think about how hard a bar of 2-4 is until you put it in a weird spot, and yeah. then everything gets flipped around. Yeah. And then just the phrase is now inside out. Yeah. And they do that all the time, which is cool. Yeah. I really like that band a lot. I'm glad they exist. What's an old record you like? Uh, I got back into some Incubus. Um, nice. Their album Science. It's like their first Fuck one. Fuck yeah! It's really cool. Uh, they were very like experimental in the beginning. Like, there's a bunch of like, uh, I don't know. They like range from like heavy stuff to like mm-hmm. almost like uh, not EDM, but like there's definitely some uh, electronic like inspiration and DJ stuff in there. Um, yeah, that's a cool fucking band. Yeah. Like what? Um, they got a lot of shit for some reason. Like growing up, and I never understood why. Like I guess because light grenades became really popular, like two thousand six, five or six. And Ray like actually showed me that album. Yeah, mm. I like that album too. Yeah. Um, it sounds cool. Yeah, it. But it was kind of like, at least for m- in my case, like the era of that album, like Green Day's American Idiot. Um, like Blink One Eighty Two dropped an album that was like, like all these bands that had kind of been like fledgling in the early '90s and late '90s, like kind of finally got a hit record, and like people just stopped like, like oh, n- there's fucking sellouts now. It's yeah. like they didn't stop being a good band just because they got popular. Like yeah, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's, uh, you know, and I because c- I come from more of a jazz background, like. I just thi- I think it's weird that like stuff that's popular that might not be you know as complex like when I was in jazz band in high school I was like the outcast because <coughs> I wasn't like super into Hank Jones and like Count Basie even though I was but I also like stuff like CKY and like you know electric fusion stuff and in- like I just liked music mm-hmm. you know and like I think that people would be like like when it, when I was a little kid, like I liked the Spice Girls album, like the first one, because I thought that, and I like li- listening back to that stuff now. It's because the production's really cool. Yeah. Like I had an ear that like, like it grew. It, the grooves were really hard. 
and it was kind of funky and like uh, the vocals do sound cool. There's a lot of harmony and yeah, like it like sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting musical stuff. It now, like, okay, visually, like, it's just a it, the the song er, and like the songs are like about kind of dumb stuff, you know, like just content wise, but like it's still good music. Like, there's I I fully believe that if music exists, somebody's it's gonna be fantastic for somebody. Sure. And it's gonna be like the right thing for somebody at the right time. Shout out to our eight monthly listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, you guys. I hope that we can make you guys ten, ten listeners. Ten soon. listeners <laughs> soon. It's on the way. Hey, we yeah. got. We almost have a dollar from Spotify. Almost. <laughs> almost. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. Bu- we're gonna. We're gonna put that in a bank. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna buy some stock with that dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Invest in. Uh, stock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, boys. I'm tired. Yeah, it's been a long one. Mm. So thanks for sitting down with me. Yep. And 